Welcome, everybody, to the latest Inside Indy Sports podcast. I am your fill-in host today, Eric Hansen. Tyler James is on vacation. Charleston Bowles is an upgrade from me, so he'll be joining me today. We've got a special guest, Clint Cosgrove, national recruiting analyst for Rivals based in Chicago and about to become uh, change his status. I'll let him share that if he wants to uh, here any minute now or any day now. So um, thanks, Clint, for joining us. Thanks, Charleston, for filling in. Uh, let's get talk, talking Notre Dame football recruiting. So the Let's first do thing it. I, okay. So the first thing I have for you, Clint, is let's start with Justin Scott. I had a live chat today, and usually I get a lot of questions about Sam Hartman, not a single one. There are about four about Justin Scott today. So as we look at this in the last week in May, what's our assessment about where Justin Scott is with his recruitment? defensive tackle from Chicago. Yeah, well, uh, the longer this recruitment goes, the more coveted he is. Um, defensive tackles, especially elite defensive tackles, uh, they're always at a premium, but the closer you get to signing day, the more competitive it gets and uh, the, you know, the, the more schools are willing to do to try to get guys to come there. So he's going to be one of the most valuable prospects in this entire class. I understand he has a top five, um, you know, I believe, what is it, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame, and Miami. To me, uh, this is really a three-team race. Um, I think this is down to Miami, Georgia, Ohio State. Um, obviously, just me speculating, you know, he's, he's got officials. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, down to the three of Notre Dame, Miami and Georgia, not Ohio State. The people uh, you know, they listening in. in their cars just drove off the road. So, <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, I, uh, I messed up because he, he does have an official to uh, to Ohio State, does have an official to Michigan. So they're obviously not out of the mix, but just from knowing Justin and and uh, you know being around his recruitment and being pretty plugged in with it, I think this is this is really down to three teams, if you ask me. And uh, Notre Dame's going to be right in the mix, uh, along with Miami, who, you know, they were a late entry, but they they really wowed him. He was down there on spring break, stopped by. You know, I think he thought it was just going to be a visit to kind of check things out and see how it went. But uh, he liked what he saw down there. And then, you know, Georgia, just from, you know, the very first time that I talked with him. Um, just Clinton, following up, ultimately – what do you think is going to be most important to him in when he makes his decision? I mean, is it NIL? Is it distance from home? Is it NFL development? All of the above? I don't think NIL will play any, any factor in his recruitment. Um, this is going to be really the place he feels at home where he's going to enjoy his college experience the most. And then, uh, I would say 1B to that 1A is where he's going to be developed to go and play in the NFL. Th those, those I know are, are, are the two most important things to him. Uh, he, you know, relationships, the college experience. Um, you got to remember, Justin, he, he didn't always play football. This, this, this is a new dream. You know, uh, he was a basketball player growing up. He didn't, he, he got talked into playing football. And uh, so uh, you know, he's still really interested. In, he's a normal guy. I mean, 
people don't realize he's a barista at Starbucks. Um, <laughs> Justin's just that type of guy. I, I love, and, and that's what I love about him. You know, uh, this decision will come down to where he feels at home, where he feels like he's getting a real college experience. And then obviously the end goal, you know, since NIL is not the end goal for him, the end goal is, is, is ultimately being a high round draft pick and, and playing in the NFL. So development is going to be a big part of it. A coach that can develop him and, uh, you know, put him in position to be a, a high round draft pick. And then Clint, I guess um, with Scott in the fold as a, a five-star defensive tackle, uh, what do you personally think Notre Dame has to do to kind of land more of the five-star talent, the four-star talent, and what they just uh, need to show on the field? Is that something they need to compete in the playoff? Or is it uh, something they need to have 10, 11 win seasons? What do you think is uh, the big factor for Notre Dame to land uh, the five and four-star talent? Yeah, I mean, winning matters. It definitely does. Uh, the good thing about Notre Dame, unless they're, you know, winning five, four games a year, is it's an iconic brand. Anybody who's gone to Notre Dame and, you know, I, somebody asked me, I was on a Michigan podcast the other day. They're like, is this guy a Notre Dame fan? <laughs> yeah, my grandpa was a Notre Dame fan. But, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was never, you know, a huge Notre Dame fan. But whether you're a Notre Dame fan or not, you walk into that stadium you walk onto that campus on game day and it's special it's iconic you know you, you flip on the movie rudy and you get chills because that's the same feeling that you get when you walk into that stadium whether it's empty whether it's on game day and um so yeah i i think winning is important um but really it's 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 selling the development it is selling the education and it is selling that you're going to have a great college experience. Um, some guys, you know, Notre Dame's a smaller school. It's not in a big city. There's not a huge campus. Uh, the good thing with that is if you're focused on football, you're surrounded by football. You know, you've got great facilities, great tradition. You're going to have great resources to not only develop, but enjoy your college experience. You're going to be playing on national TV every week. There's just so much going for it. So it's just, you know, continuing to do what they've done. They've done a great job recruiting. And, uh, you know, I think they just, they, they, the game day experience, the atmosphere and the tradition are the things that they have to get across to these kids. And, you know, the big thing with that is you don't understand what it feels like to walk into that stadium at Notre Dame unless you've done it. So it's getting kids on campus. And when you're a national recruiting program like Notre Dame is, and it's not like, you know, you just fly right into Chicago and you pop over to Northwestern. Yeah, it's not far, um, but, you know, it's a little off the beaten path as well. So when you're a national brand, getting kids on campus is huge, especially at a place like Notre Dame, because it's a feeling that you can't explain when you're there. It's a feeling you have to experience. And so to me, it is, and I think they're doing a great job of doing it. It's getting the kids on campus to see it for themselves, to see what the school offers, and then ultimately deciding, are they a good fit there? And then to follow up on that, when I spoke with Justin Scott earlier this month, I know you said, uh, talked about NFL development and kind of getting that college experience, but uh, he also told me he has close relationships with CJ Carr, Cam Williams, uh, but he also said Notre Dame sticks out um, because they provide those opportunities outside of football. Uh, how important do you think that is to his recruitment? And does that set Notre Dame apart 
uh, in a way. Yeah, I think it definitely does. Uh, he sees the big picture. Justin's a big picture kid. He knows that they're as talented as he is. I mean, if he stays healthy and is somewhat productive in college, he is going to the NFL. But he knows that one, that doesn't last forever. And two, he's a bright kid. He, he, he cares about more than just football. You know, he's, he's your normal everyday guy. Like I said, he works at Starbucks. You gotta love that. That's just the mentality that he has. So getting that education, and um, just the resources and the network of Notre Dame. Yeah, I do think that makes a big difference. Um, you know, for instance, uh, you talked about Cam Williams. Um, you know, Cam Williams, youth coach. Uh, I believe he's, you know, he's part of uh, Notre Dame's foundation or whatever it is. Um, so like those, those opportunities, you know, from him talking to Cam, he knows everything that Notre Dame has to offer outside of the education, outside of the network. Um, I, I do think that stuff matters. And I do think that matters to his mom as well. And that's important to Justin. He wants his mom to be happy. He wants them to be able to watch him play football. Now he's the type of player, whether NIL factors into his decision or not, which I don't think it will, he's going to get some form of NIL at the college level, which makes it less of like a regional thing. Like it's going to be okay because he'll be able to fly his mom in every week if he wants to, you know? So yeah. Uh, that kind of takes the, the proximity out of the equation. But then you look at other things. You know, he goes to St. Ignatius. There's a lot of people from St. Ignatius who go to Notre Dame. There's a lot of people from the Chicago Catholic League who go to Notre Dame. So if he's looking for a college experience and a level of familiarity with a great opportunity to play at the highest level on national TV, be developed, um, you know, for, for him, it, it is a good fit. And those things really do matter. Clint, when we look at the teams that, were most competitive for Notre Dame in recent years. 2012, Lewis Nix was the nose guard. And in 2018, they had a really good defensive line. They made it to the playoff with uh, Jerry Tillery. And they had 2020, another good defensive line with some NFL players on it. Probably nobody close to Justin Scott's um, caliber. And I'm wondering how far in history do we have to go back to somebody with that level of talent that ended up at Notre Dame at that position? Oh gosh. What did Chris Zordich play? Yeah. You're, I mean, you're talking late eighties, 90, you know, that, that era and, and Bryant Young was right after him. So. Yeah. That's a I long mean, time. He's a yeah. And, and like we talk about, these defensive tackles, they, they, they don't just grow on trees. I mean, yeah, you get some guys like the Aaron Donalds who were 5.73 star only because of their size. But you get few guys that have the entire, uh, you know, the entire skill set from between the ears to the athletic and physical, you know, God-given gifts and then the ability to apply it onto the field. So he's he's a he's a different type of talent. There aren't many like him out there. So unless you're Georgia, Alabama, or Pitt, because they had Aaron Donald, um, you know these guys don't come across every day. There's some programs that don't have a guy like this. That never will have a guy like this. Um, does that guarantee success? No, but it gives them a very very good chance at it. And, um, you know, I, I'm not a Notre Dame football historian. Uh, I 
you know, most of what I know about Notre Dame is because my dad coached for Barry Alvarez for a long time. My dad's good friends with Lou Holtz and Skip Holtz. And so like, you know, those are all Notre Dame guys. And, you know, most of what I know about that program and their history comes from that. And then I also, you know, when I was in scouting, I worked with Notre Dame as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just in recent memory, I, I can't think of the, the last time that they had a, a talent, a five-star defensive tackle like him, um, you know, on the squad, maybe at other positions, but a defensive tackle and those five stars are rare at the position and they're rare breed and they're, they're just built differently. Um, you know, I, I can't in recent memory think of, think of one like him. And then Clint, uh, with yesterday's commitment of uh, defensive end Logan Thomas, uh, what is your kind of assessment of him and uh, maybe uh, what he can bring to Notre Dame class and what he can become uh, maybe two, uh, three years down the road with uh, the right development and uh, getting that tutelage at Notre Dame? Yeah, I mean, you love what you see about him. I mean, physical traits, he's got the physical gifts. He's got the athletic gifts. Um, he is explosive. He's long. Uh, you know, a lot of young long guys they struggle with changing direction they're still growing into their body so they lack body control they play a little high um he just naturally does those things and in order to do that you have to have a special level of internal body mechanics as dumb as that sounds like everything he does is so efficient and he maximizes abilities so uh you know although he he's not light right now, he's got a frame that can hold a ton of weight too. And he brings a level of versatility. He can play the run. He can rush the passer. He can play limited pass coverage. Um, I just think there's, there's, there's so much to like about him. I just watched the film a little bit more, you know, before we came on and uh, you know, the, the dude can play, he, he can, he can really play. And um, I think the upsides there, uh, we have him listed at like 210 pounds. He's probably going to carry 240, no problem. I don't know if they wanted to get that heavy right away because it'll all depend on how they plan on using him schematically. And I haven't talked with him or the staff about that, um, you know, but he has the frame where he could be a guy who jumps across the defensive line, depending on down and distance and situation, you know, maybe you line him up over the center one play. Maybe he's a stand-up rush on another play. Maybe he's dropping into coverage on another. So I just think, uh, depending on their vision of him and how they plan on, you know, moving forward schematically, uh, he's just a great fit because he has so much upside and so much versatility. Uh, I just, you know, there was one play where I watched him and he just, when he sticks his foot in the ground and he sees that quarterback and he, he looked like the water boy, uh, for those who are familiar with the movie, uh, back in the day, Bobby Boucher, just, just running through him, almost like uh, Drake Bowen last year on that very first play of his highlight. So, uh, you know, I love everything about that. I think that's a big get, uh, just like defensive tackles, defensive linemen in general, especially guys that can rush the passer. Um, you know, they, they don't just grow on trees. There's a lot of, there's a lot of thin guys who are more athletic and can win with speed at the high school level. There's not a ton who can win with speed, power, technique, then also go and play coverage and are physical as all get out. And so I think that makes him special. Uh, I think that gives him a tremendous amount of upside. And obviously, uh, you know, with coaches' defensive background, they're going to know what to do with him. And I think he's going to be a great fit. Clint, I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curve, but I don't think it's a curve because of your familiarity with him. Joe Rudolph, 
I think people wonder what kind of recruiter he's going to be. And, you know, when the um, they got the commitment from Anthony Knapp, who was, you know, not a five-star or four-star, people were a little bit nervous about how he would go about recruiting. What do you think we'll eventually see with Joe Rudolph as a recruiting offensive lineman? Um, well, first and foremost, uh, yeah, I probably have a little bias on this one because I've known him my whole life. He played for my dad at Wisconsin uh, when I first got into coaching as a quality control. Uh, he came onto the staff. He had just gotten done in the NFL. He was coaching tight ends for us at Nebraska. Um, you know, our our families are good friends. <laughs> my mom talks to his wife all the time. That's where mm-hmm. I get a lot of the inside scoop. Those wives, they know everything. Um, but as far as a recruiter goes, there's two things that uh, are two different elements of the recruitment. The first is identifying the guys that fit uh, what you're looking for in your in your offensive line room. What is your identity? Um, he does a great job of identifying guys that are going to fit the identity that he wants that room to have. Okay, this is a full evaluation. This is this is this is upside. This is what it's like between the ears. This is he, he's trying to develop almost like, you know, when, when they're recruiting people for the military, you know, and you, you've got your your squadron or whatever it is like he, he's looking to develop a, a like mindset of guys who have a similar goal and are going to play football the way that he wants it to be played. So uh, he does a great job of finding guys that are a fit culture wise for his room. Secondly, he's a great talent evaluator. Um, he, he, he identifies guys that he likes. Uh, he doesn't miss often. And then he is a great closer. Um, he's not a guy who's going to push a guy, you know, off for one day and they're, you're going to see him commit the next day. No, that's not, that's not like that with, with, with Joe. Um, you know, I talk about building the mentality of that room and, and that group. He wants to get to know these guys. This isn't just about, oh, how many can I sign or, you know, who can I get in the boat first? So he's going to identify, he's going to evaluate, he's going to get to know them. And then uh, it's all about relationships with him. Uh, Joe is very transparent. He is very open, honest, straightforward. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, kids trust, parents can trust, and he does things the right way. You know that he is going to do right by you. And because of that, now, Joe might seem like a little, you know, he's not allowed, electric, you know, all that, but he's got some fire to him now. And because he develops those relationships starting before those kids are even on campus, he's able to coach them hard. So uh, a lot of guys on the recruiting trail, they're looking for the guy who has the most NFL upside and they don't care about anything else. They just want to do to can flat out play ball. Joe is going to assess, evaluate, almost like an NFL style evaluation. He's going to get to know the player, get to know their family and, uh, you know, make sure they're a great fit. And I was talking about this on the Indiana podcast yesterday. And it's interesting because Bostad was at Wisconsin with him. uh, And and Bob Bostad's the the offensive line coach at Indiana. When Joe Rudolph offers a guy, and and I don't want to make a blanket statement, um, but if he's going to take an offensive lineman, I'm going to err on the side of that evaluation. I trust him that much as an evaluator. And that's not just because I know him. There's a lot of guys that I know and am friends with even in this profession that I wouldn't go on record 
saying that. Um, he's he's just very good. He's the complete package. Um, he's going to help Notre Dame, and uh, he's he's a great builder of culture, and um, he's a great football coach. He's a technician. He played at the highest level. He played in the NFL. You know, it's not just telling kids what to do. Uh, he's done it before, and, and and you know, kids follow that, especially nowadays with with how much publicity and uh, even as big as NIL is right now. The number one thing I hear out of kids' mouths is. I want somebody who can develop me to play in the NFL. NIL is short term. I heard a kid the other day, he goes, I want to build generational wealth. He goes, I don't want, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, you know, to, to get me started in life. I want to build generational wealth. And the only way to do that is by wearing the shield. And the shield is the NFL. So the ultimate goal, uh, unless you're a $10, 15000000 dollar NIL guy, which can bring generational wealth, which very, very, very few players are, um, you know, uh, the big picture, and, and, and he can get that done. He can, he can take guys there. Well, there's no generational wealth in journalism, I will assure you of that. Yeah, my, my – uh, or if I had kids one day, he, he would uh, – yeah, he'd definitely uh, have to, have to <laughs> work, work for his lunch. <laughs> And then, Clint, to follow up on that offensive line uh, talk, uh, one of the 2025 uh, offers out uh, with Owen Strybig uh, up in Wisconsin, uh, he told me he knows Coach Rudolph uh, from his days at Wisconsin, and um, actually his personal trainers are uh, kind of in communication with Rudolph. Uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, your early assessment of him. I know he started as a backup uh, as a freshman, uh, so kind of give Notre Dame fans an insight on uh, kind of the prospect he is uh, at 6'8", 295 pounds. You want to talk about a kid who has as high of a ceiling as there may be. Um, you know, there's kids with higher floors than Owen, but his ceiling is that of a, a, a top pick. And that, and that is no exaggeration. So Owen showed up at our rivals camp series event, uh, not this year, but the year before uh, when he was a freshman. And uh, the only thing I knew about him is that he was big and he's from Wisconsin. He showed up and it turned out he was big and he was from Wisconsin. Hmm. Um, but he was also like a giraffe, a baby giraffe on stilts. And, uh, you know, he had never seen anything like this before. All of a sudden he's going up against Brandon Davis, Swain, Marquise Lightfoot. And, uh, you know, the one thing that really stood out to me was, you know, when kids are that young and they're that long and they've grown so early, it is really hard to adjust to your body. So he was, he was far from complete in that area as far as body control, uh, as far as, you know, understanding leverage, uh, just the nuances of playing the position. But what he was, was a raw talent. And what he showed is that he loved football. And that day <clears throat> I had to give him a little pep talk afterwards because the last thing I wanted was, Kid shows up from Wisconsin, hasn't gone up against elite defensive line talent every day of his life, shows up going against four and five stars, loses a couple reps. And I was like, this kid has so much going for him. He can't get down on himself. So we had a talk afterwards. I was like, you did a great job out there today. You know where you can improve. Now you see the level that you want to get to. And he took that to heart. And then we invited him to our underclassmen five-star challenge. So he goes down to Atlanta. Still has no offers at that point. 
I remember him being like, do you think Georgia Tech would let me come through and visit while I'm down here? I'm like, bro, if you show up at Georgia Tech or even email or text somebody saying, hey, I'm 6'8", 290 freshman. I want to check out the facilities. I was like, yeah, nobody's going to say no to that. And I said, and you're always going to have that in your favor. But the reason I tell that story is he was still at that point very raw. We didn't know how he would develop necessarily. And he's a nice kid. And most offensive linemen are nice guys, but they have a switch. So, you know, this was three, four months after the original camp down in Indiana. He comes down, competes in Atlanta, doesn't win every rep. And this is even against a higher level of competition, but such a vast amount of improvement, competitive, understanding what he was going to go against that day, not getting down on himself, uh, you know, taking coaching, all these things. And then the body mechanics were kind of coming together. So stay in touch with them. And then all of a sudden, I, I go to their first game this year, Catholic Memorial. And he walks on the field and I'm like, this joker looks like a first round draft pick right now. You know, he's a sophomore in high school and is as pretty as they get when he walks onto the field wearing that big 58, you know, not a lot of fat on him. And he's a big, big dude. And then he goes out there and he did things. So there was questions, you know, uh, I wonder, will he ever have enough body control? Will he ever be able to flip his hips? Uh, will he ever be able to down block, then kick out and then work to the second level and, and block in space? And he silenced every single question that I had about him in one quarter of football. So in one year, this kid went from me saying, okay, he's going to be a division one prospect at some level because he does have ability and he's got as good of a frame as you will find anywhere in the country. Okay. And then all of a sudden the football start stuff started clicking. All of a sudden he's got a little confidence in a mean streak. He's gone against these national recruits. And then I see him in week one doing things that I was like in my head going into that game. And I didn't think he was going to be to this point yet. Uh, you know, I had things in my head that I said, if Owen can do this, then I'm sure he can be this. He outdid what I hoped he could do. I didn't think, I thought he could do the things that you see him do on film eventually. I just didn't think it would happen this quick. Now you've got a kid who's six, eight, six, nine, lean, strong, understands leverage, can bend, can block at the second level, can you know, kick down and flip his hips and get a hand on somebody on the outside. He is so long that he can just keep defenders at bay. So he is your prototype for the offensive tackle. He is at the very raw stage of his career. Now, not as raw as he was before, but he's at a very raw stage of his career. If he pans out, and there's a lot of ifs involved in this, and there's a lot of variables when it comes to playing college football, but if he reaches his max potential, this is a guy who can be you know, the Riley Reef type. This can be a Joe Thomas type. He is that caliber of talent, or at least has that caliber of upside. And uh, I'm, I, I cannot wait to see what he looks like next year, because if the development we've seen thus far is any indication, he's going to be a world beater down the road. And uh, like you said, the relationship with Joe Rudolph, um, that's big. That's really big. And, and I think that'll put Notre Dame in the picture. And he's not a lock for Wisconsin, like a lot of Wisconsin kids are. You know, he wants to see the world. He wants to enjoy his recruitment. So long-winded answer to Owen Strabick. But um, I just wanted people to understand um, the type of player he is, 
his development and uh, what to expect from him in the future. It sounds like we need to have a Justin Scott, Owen Strybig, uh challenge and see who comes out of that. See if. Hey, I. Walking. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, you know, as good as Justin is on the D line, if I could have a, a right side or a left side of, of Justin at guard and Owen at tackle, <laughs> that wouldn't be stoppable. That would be undefeated. But yeah, no, I, I would love to see them go against each other right now, to be honest. Um, Owen's development has come a long way. I wouldn't want to see that matchup a year ago, but I would love to see it now. Okay. Following up on the 2025 class, the Notre Dame seems to have kind of zeroed in on four quarterbacks right now in that class. And Bryce Underwood, uh, KJ Salas, Deuce Knight, and uh, McIntyre down, George McIntyre down in Tennessee. Which of those four do you, if you're Marcus Freeman, do you like the best? And which of those four do you think are most realistic, if any, to follow CJ Carr through the door? Who are, who are the, uh, who are the names you said? I'm sorry. Bryce Underwood up in Michigan. Yeah. McIntyre, McIntyre down in Tennessee. And then the two kids in the deep South, Deuce Knight and KJ Salas. Uh, KJ Lacey. KJ Lacey, I'm sorry. Okay, all right, perfect. Now, yeah, I was testing you. There's a lot you, of KJs. There's you, KJ I didn't Hamster, get it by like, you. <laughs> yeah, no. So um, came up with a new uh, person. So yeah, no, they've offered what one, three, four, five, six. I, they've offered seven 2025 quarterbacks. Yeah. Only one of them's committed in Cutter Bowley to Kentucky. I, I would say for me, if 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 I'm the head coach at Notre Dame, uh, my one A and one B are Bryce Underwood and one B's George McIntyre. I am a huge fan of both. Now, Bryce Underwood is a special, special talent. He is physically gifted beyond, you know, levels that you see very often. Um, he is a pro-style quarterback with elite athleticism as well. He could just as easily line up at safety or receiver as he does a quarterback, but he's got a cannon for an arm, uh, just a natural thrower, natural leader, um, likable kid. He, he checks every box, extremely intelligent. Um, he's going to be maybe the most contested recruit in, in his class. So I don't know where that's going to go. I, you know, I, I saw Bryce a couple weeks ago at Under Armour, you know, he, he keeps things pretty close to the vest. I think his recruitment could be a lot like that of Dante Moore, where you don't know what's going to happen up until the very end. Um, because there's going to be a lot of people making plays for him. And uh, like I said, he's just that good. So uh, then, you know, to me, the number two guy, and he's not ranked number two right now, um, but it would be George McIntyre. Uh, I just absolutely love him. Every, it, it, the more I watch him, the more I love him. And then you look at the, the pedigree, um, you know, uncle is a, a, is a head college coach. His grandpa was the, um, you know, the longtime Vanderbilt head coach, like he comes from a football family. Um, similar to CJ Carr, when you grow up around that, you have a different understanding of it. It's a lot different when you're embedded from a coach's angle than it is if necessarily like your parent played. You just see the game differently. You understand the preparation. Uh, you understand the things that factor in to the success of a program. So when you have that understanding and then that high football IQ, and then you combine it with 
his size, arm talent, ability to see the field, make every level of throw. Um, you know, to me, if Bryce Underwood wasn't in this class, uh, I think McIntyre is the number one guy. And, um, you know, uh, Underwood's special. So I don't know if he's going to unseat, uh, McIntyre will unseat Underwood, but, um, you know, they, they have similar skill sets in some ways, but different in many ways. Um, and, uh, you know, I, you take any of those guys either day of the week, um, you know, some of the other guys they offered like Antoine Hill, I saw him, I think at the rivals camp, uh, you know, he, he, he flashed, he flashed some things that I really liked. Um, you know, I don't know a ton about KJ Lacey. Um, you know, at least uh, you know his last rankings. name. <laughs> <laughs> we have rankings meetings coming up. I know I've watched him, but like, I won't do a deep dive in that until let's see, probably next, uh, probably this weekend. Um, before I head up to Detroit for uh, camp on, on the first. And then Clint, staying in the 2025 class, uh, but going over to the other side of the ball, uh, Christopher Burgess Jr., uh, 2025 defensive end out of Simeon up in Chicago. Uh, he visited Notre Dame for the blue goal game. And then that next morning, uh, we had a chance to see him in Cincinnati for camp. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your impressions of him and kind of how he's growing. I mean, he's blown up offer-wise, sitting at 30 offers now. Uh, just what does he bring to the table uh, heading into his junior season? Well, um, you know, aside from the the physical gifts, he is a big kid uh, and he's still growing. Um, you know, he looks like a grown man his freshman year and uh, he doesn't have your typical, you know, six four, six five frame right now. I wouldn't be surprised if he, he grows to be that big, um, but he is a, big, strong, athletic body. And um, football means a lot to him. You know, uh, we were doing, you know, the invites for that uh, five-star pro day uh, with Next Gen. And um, I just said, I was like, you know, is it too late for invites? Because he, he probably should have been invited out of the camp, but we were just very uh, short on spots. And I, you know, we were in our meeting the other day and I was like, I think this kid deserves an invite. And uh, everyone agreed with that. And uh, he, he got the invite. And some of these kids slow play it and all this stuff. Kid was signed up, registered five minutes later. And that shows you how much he loves football. Um, he is, uh, you know, there's been a lot of great players, not only football, but basketball. And uh, Rose, Jabari Parker, like all those guys played basketball there. You got, you know, as recent as this past season, Malik Kelsey. Uh, the receiver, but um, that is a great football program. He is a great player. He is only scratching the surface of what he will be. Um, he's a dude that could also, uh, you know, he plays a lot of end and stuff right now, but he can he can be an interior defensive lineman, provide an interior pass rush, uh, just a ton of upside. And, and again, he's just scratching the surface. You get this kid in a program like Notre Dame and uh, the sky's the limit, but I really like him. Uh, I love his personality. I love his love for the game. He's a hard worker. He gets after it. And, um, you know, he, he, he has a very bright future and, and uh, I could see him having a, a ton of success at Notre Dame, but you talk about the way he's blown up. He's at this point, he's, seems like he can call his shot <laughs> you know it was uh it, it was it, it, now he had a lot of offers going into that camp I remember like a week after he uh 
gee, he started picking up the entire SEC. He's got USC, you know, like all these schools coming in. So that's going to be a highly contested one. Uh, you know, Simeon kids, they, they've gone on to have a lot of success at the next level. I think he will as well. Um, definitely a guy for, for Notre Dame fans to, to keep an eye on. And, you know, always with Chicago, there's, there's that connection, Chicago and Notre Dame. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of kids from Chicago to have success at Notre Dame. And, you know, that's something that the staff will have to sell to him. And uh, I think the good thing for, with him is the proximity he gets away from home, yet he's close enough to home. And, um, you know, I, I, I could see Notre Dame being in the picture unless he says, you know what, I want to go and play somewhere warm or something like that. But great kid, great player, uh, excited to watch how his recruitment moves uh, and his development moving forward. It is warm in South Bend today, but not in football season. Definitely not during the playoff season now. They're going to have a December 21st playoff game. That's going to be crazy if it's in Notre Dame Stadium. Um, It'll be loud. Yeah. It'll be cold. Yeah. It'll be a whole lot of fun. That's be right. A lot of, uh, a lot of schnapps in the, uh, in the uh, student section, I'd imagine. I can imagine. Maybe even in the press box, but uh <laughs> Last one from me, Notre Dame sitting after a decommitment yesterday and a commitment yesterday. They're sitting at 16 commitments. We still got a long way to go. Um, they're number three right now in the rivals team rankings. I'm wondering how realistic is it that Notre Dame would finish with a top five class? I think it's within the realm of possibilities. Okay. I definitely think it is, you know, and I'm, I actually have it pulled up right now and I'm just looking at commit numbers and you know, who's in front of them. They're going to need a five-star. Um, you know, they would have that in Justin Scott if they were to land him. Uh, so they're, you know, they're, they're going to need a five-star, I think, to stay in the top five. Uh, I mean, you look at the makeup of the class, you got 10, four stars, six, three stars. I see a couple kids on there that could be bumped to four stars. Um, you know, uh, especially, you know, a guy like Carson Hobbs or, you know, really uh, Teddy Rizek, you know, uh, probably just an under the radar kid who, who I love, I just need to see more of. So if you, if you get some bumps um, in rankings, you hold on to the guys that you have, which I think they will. It's a tight, you talked about, you know, him being tight with, you know, Cam and CJ, like they're similar to the Michigan class where those guys got the group text and, they're talking every day and they're zeroing in on kids together and, you know, they, they've developed quite the relationships. So, um, you know, I do think that they hold on to, to the majority, if not all of these guys. And then really it's going to come down to, you know, winning battles against some of the other powers. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Ohio state, they're probably going to, you know, move up at some point. They're at number five right now. Um, LSU under Brian Kelly, they're really coming on hot, you know, uh, uh, Michigan, uh, that they, they have a very good class right now. And then Georgia, I mean, Georgia with the, the Dylan Riola effect, like that ain't slowing down anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Um, Georgia's going to be the home of the five-star transfer because only so many dudes can get on the field at once. So, um, you know, they're going to have to fend off Oregon, Penn state, you know, Florida state's making moves. Uh, you know, some of these SEC schools like Alabama's number 15 right now, it's because they have seven commitments. They're more in that situation where they're choosing who they want. So their class is going to come together later. Um, you know, same thing could be said for Clemson, although they haven't recruited as strong as Alabama and Ohio State. 
But you got to imagine Georgia, Michigan, LSU, Ohio State, and probably Alabama are going to be right in the mix for that top five. So I do think Notre Dame has a chance to be in the top five. Um, they're going to be battling it out to the end. Uh, you know, I don't think they'd have anything lower than a top 10. Uh, but, you know, the class that they're assembling is, is phenomenal. I mean, uh, just so many different weapons, especially offensively. You know, C.J. Carr, you know, he's, he's a next-level player. He's, he's, he's the face of the program. Cam Williams, Cam's running, she's like 0.5 faster in his hundred this year and he's he's turned into an absolute man you know Anais Williams he's, he's he's a home run hitter Jack Larson heck of a tight end uh you know Bryce Young although some say there's only room for one Bryce Young in uh, college football those who love him that much <laughs> Bryce Young heck of a player you know Carson Hobbs ton of upside so you got a mix of guys who are you know nobody's a sure thing but you know are very high floor guys and then you also got some guys that are high, high ceiling guys like Cam Williams, sky's the limit for him. So I love the offensive weapons that they have. I love the the identity that they're recruiting on defense. Uh, you know, the rankings are going to change a lot between now and signing day. Uh, you know, last year we went into the the All-American games with, with I believe, only 18 of our 32 five stars. Um, and so 14 are in that fifth star at the end. So you know, there's going to be guys on this this Notre Dame class. They're going to be down at those All-American games with a chance to get their fifth star. So, you know, a lot of it depends on that as well, you know. So holding on to the guys, hoping that they get ratings bumps, and then fending off, you know, the other big dogs. And, um, you know, for Notre Dame to recruit at such a high level, uh, you know, without being at a conference, without being, you know, located in a major metropolitan city, with having a little bit higher of an academic standard, um, for them to recruit at this level, yes, you have tradition. You've got your own, uh, you know, TV contract and all that. The, the, those all help. Um, but for them to recruit at this level says a lot about what the staff's doing. And, uh, you know, rankings aside, this this is going to be a very strong class, I believe, for Notre Dame. And then, Clint, last question for me. Uh, Mark Zachary, 2025 cornerback out of Ben Davis uh, down in Indianapolis, uh, very close in proximity to uh, Avon, uh, where Blake Fisher came from in uh, 2021. Uh, he picked up an offer from Notre Dame earlier this month, also has USC, Tennessee, Michigan, Wisconsin uh, as uh, offers this month. Uh, what do you see from him when you turn on the tape and uh, early thoughts on uh, kind of how he plays a uh, defensive back? Yeah, I mean, he he blew up really quick. And my background is as a defensive backs coach. So uh, I'm often very critical of defensive backs, but he kind of fits the profile of what I like. So I like him a lot. Um, He's listed in that six foot range. I don't have a verified measurable. At least I didn't have one that I looked up. I might have some one somewhere, um, but you know, six foot corners who can run and have length and then have the hit mobility that he has, um, you know, they're hard to find. Uh, I always tell, like when I talk to college coaches at group of five schools and stuff, you know, every college coach wants the six one corner that can do it all. Well, okay. Well, the six one corners who can do it all are going to probably one of eight schools. Then your best cover guys are, you know, your, your five, nine guys. Uh, the thing that I like about him is he's not six one, but he's not five nine either. He's in that six foot range and he has a lot of natural cover ability. Uh, he can flip his hips, come out of breaks. Uh, he, he's very instinctual. Um, you know, he looks like he plays fast. He looks like he can run. 
I don't have verify. I was looking for track times on them earlier. I couldn't find anything. Um, I'll have to see if we have anything in our database as far as a 40 time or anything like that. But what I see on the field is a, a kid who can run as well. Extremely competitive. Um, even when he's beat, even when he makes a mistake, he always finds a way to get back in the mix. A lot of young corners, they get beat. They're looking back to the quarterback for the ball, like the quarterback's going to be throwing the ball to him. That's not the case with him. You know, he understands uh, technique and, and, you know, just how it all works. Like if he gets beat, he's turning and running to his man. And there's times where you saw him make maybe a little mistake, but he's able to turn and run and make a play on the ball. And uh, I just think there's a ton to like about him, especially with him being in close proximity. Uh, ben Davis has put out a lot of good players over the years. It's a great program. He's going to get coached up. And, um, you know, uh, you, you turn on the film and you, you see why he's blown up pretty quickly. Uh, he's a guy that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on and a guy I'm excited to see more of in person. Well, Clint, we kept you way over. We appreciate the answers and the overtime. And uh, best of luck to you as you navigate some more film viewing and ratings and all that good stuff. And hopefully we can catch up with you later in the summer. No question. I'll be navigating a lot of film coming up. So uh, looking forward to that challenge. But I appreciate you guys having me on. Always a pleasure. Uh, love talking with you. And I, I can't thank you enough. Take care. Thanks, Clint. You too. Thank you. Now it's time for questions. Our first question is from the Insider Lounge. It's Keegan0615. And Keegan wants to know, do we look at the trade-off of Owen Wafel for Sevillano as a positive? Sevillano is a uh, three-star defensive tackle recruit from Florida, and Owen Wafel was the guy that just decommitted yesterday from New Jersey. So what do you say, Charleston, about the trade-off there? I think it's a real possibility that uh, there could be a real trade-off and uh, possible upgrade uh, with um, this kind of switch if they do uh, land uh, Siviano. I think uh, when you turn on the tape, uh, have to take in uh, consideration the competition he's playing. But at 6'2", 300 uh, pounds, he moves very well for his size. Uh, I believe uh, he's able to get to the quarterback and uh, cause wreckage on a lot of plays, especially lining up over center. Um, so I think Notre Dame, if uh, they can impress him on this official visit, um, I know he's set for uh, June 9th uh, to 11th. Um, he'll see Ohio State June 2nd to 4th. So those are the only two official visits he has lined up right now. So Notre Dame uh, gets the second crack at him after the Buckeyes. And um, I think after visiting in March, he just kind of got to meet the coaches and kind of get a sense of the program. But uh, now it's time to uh, kind of uh, talk to him about his positional fit on the defensive line. I kind of talked to him about uh, the academic opportunities and so forth. And especially uh, now with uh, no defensive tackles committed, I think um, they'll kind of do a full court press on him uh, once they get him in South Bend. Okay. And my answer to that is uh, I'm going to go with Charleston's pronunciation on his last name. I think that's probably right. Seviano. Um, I, I think again, I like physically, where he is, I think Owen probably is more tested against better competition at this point. You say, wow, Seviano's from Clearwater, Florida, but he plays, from what I understand, against very small school competition. You know, he'll get a chance to um, flash his um, talents and so forth if he decides to go to camps or combines this summer. 
but he may be committed by then, but the Notre Dame coaching staff certainly likes him. And uh, so I'll trust their evaluation on that. So we've kind of got a follow-up question uh, from me, Marie Biafori. Uh, that's on Twitter, Biafori underscore Marie. Um, and it, I'm going to modify the question a little bit if Marie will let me. There's a lot of noise out there that Wafel decommitted because he wanted to take other official visits, but also that Notre Dame was ready to move on from him. If that's true, do you agree with that decision? Who do they have on the board that you, they like better? So we're assuming, let, let's let say Notre Dame does get Justin Scott. We already know that Seviano's in the mix. Is there anybody else out there? I know Notre Dame's offered more defensive tackles and so forth. We haven't seen them pressing for a lot of those, Charleston. So is there anybody on the board that you like, or do you think they, they need to put some more offers out there to get a second defensive tackle if they swing and miss on either Seviano or Justin Scott? I don't see any current uh, recruits on the board that um, have kind of have an immediate um, need to offer. I think um, you take your chances with either Scott or Seviano um, and try to land one of them, uh, maybe even two of them. Um, after taking one defensive tackle uh, last recruiting cycle, if you've noticed, Notre Dame's offered a lot of 2025 defensive tackles uh, in this last week, um, right. especially uh, including two today. So uh, I think Notre Dame's comfortable with where they're at with Scott and Siviano. And I think um, instead of maybe offering 2024 defensive tackles who they don't feel comfortable with, I think they might shift their focus to 2025 and uh, try to, uh, you know, get uh, established relationships early and uh, get some more talent along with uh, commit Davion Dixon. Right. And, and Marie, um, from my standpoint, you know, Notre Dame, if they don't get the number of interior defensive linemen they want, they can go into the transfer portal in December and bring in somebody for spring semester and fill the need that way. Uh, you also look at their current roster and, and some of the freshman defensive ends, um, Brennan Vernon, uh, Arkel Mucum, uh, Bubakar, Traore, those guys could end up inside later in their careers. They could grow into that. I'm not saying any of them necessarily will, but you're talking about, I mean, all those guys are 6'5 or better. And so there's a possibility you could put weight and strength on them and move them inside. So there are some answers uh, that maybe go beyond just this recruiting class. Okay, our next question is from Mike DeVoy, who's at Mike DeVoy1 on Twitter. How big a, a role did Coach O'Leary play in the recruitment of Antonio Carter II? That was a big recruiting coup for Notre Dame, hopefully the start of improving safety recruiting. What say you, Charleston, on that? I think Coach O'Leary played a huge impact uh, and a huge role in uh, landing uh, that commitment from Carter out the transfer portal, I think. Uh, you know, with him coming up to Notre Dame that Wednesday, um, I think Coach O'Leary made a really good impression, uh, not just uh, from personality standpoint, um, but also kind of showing him uh, how he can be utilized, um, kind of the development he could have in the safeties room and the opportunity, uh, the opportunities there. And I think um, if Coach O'Leary and Notre Dame uh, kind of produce a safety out of the transfer portal, um, it kind of shows recruits that, hey, um, they develop here, they can 
um, get you on the field early and uh, give you an opportunity to uh, help the defense and uh, kind of best uh, utilize your talents in their defensive scheme. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Charleston on this one. Um, Notre Dame called um, O'Leary, Coach O'Leary and, and Coach Al Golden, the defensive coordinator, off the road. They were doing evaluations. They were traveling the country. They came back in for Antonio Carter's multi-day visit. You know, obviously had a great relationship with Marcus Freeman. He talked about that on our last podcast, and you can go back and listen to the interview with Antonio Carter after you're done listening to this one. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, Coach O'Leary's done a good job with the transfer portal safeties, getting Brandon Joseph from Northwestern last year and getting Antonio Carter the second this year. Okay, our next question is from Charles Wolf, who's at, at Charles W. Wolf on Twitter. Besides the usually cited reasons of difficult admissions standards and NIL, are there any other major obstacles to landing elite prospects? I am excited for CJ Carr and Cam Williams, but it seems we still have had a lot of big swings and misses. Uh, what do you say, Charleston? Yeah, so this is definitely why uh, I asked Clint kind of that question about uh, what Notre Dame needs to do to uh, land that four and five star talent. If you look at the uh, 2024 rivals team rankings right now, uh, Georgia's number one, Michigan's number two, uh, Notre Dame's number three, LSU four, and then Ohio State five. Um, and then if you look at the national champions uh, since uh, the playoffs started, Ohio State uh, won the first uh, playoff. But then after that, uh, it's every school down south. Um, and Notre Dame's obviously, you know, had their chances in the playoff and it hasn't gone well. So I think um, something that Notre Dame needs to uh, show to recruits that are the four and five star caliber, that they can compete with the LSUs. They can compete uh, with the Georgias and the Alabama, Alabamas uh, when they get on the field with them. I think um, a big thing for Notre Dame now um, is to kind of show they can uh, take that next level, not just get to the playoff, uh, but compete and win it. Uh, because I think these recruits want, you know, their competitors. They want to go to a winning program that uh, they can have uh, the opportunity uh, to hoist that national championship trophy. Yeah, and I think, you know, Marcus, too, tries to do the I, – I, the one thing that I like about him, in addition to everything that Charleston said, is he leans into the Notre Dame is hard thing instead of trying to sugarcoat it. And I think recruits like that authenticity. Now, it's not for everybody. I mean, not everybody wants to work that hard in school and work that hard walking to class in snow in the winter. But, um, you know, you're not going to get any surprises with the transfer portal. If you're not honest with kids, they're going to leave quickly. And so I think that's a big part of it uh, with Notre Dame. And as, as both Clinton Charleston mentioned, the player development piece is huge. It's something that Brady Quinn talked to us about um, when we had him on the podcast with the fund, um, the fund collective that Notre Dame has for NIL is that kids are going to make more money in the pros than they will with NIL money. And so um, you have to kind of think bigger picture than just focusing on that. Uh, so quote unquote acquisition fee that certain schools are willing to offer. Okay, our yeah. last question comes from Mr. Nev, who's at Mr. Irish Red on Twitter. 
And his question is, when does the extra year COVID eligibility end for roster management? Yeah, so Eric, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, I believe that's uh, coming to an end now that uh, the 2020 recruiting class, uh, which uh, COVID affected first, uh, is kind of cycling out and becoming uh, seniors and uh, fifth-year players. Uh, so I believe that's uh, the last year for this uh, is this upcoming season. So I, I think you're right. So when we talk in terms of the first class, that's you're, you're right, exactly. So the first class that won't get the COVID option year is going to be the 2021 class. So we're on the same page there. The Tyler Buckners and a lot of the guys that just transferred, but um, they will not get the COVID exemption. And that's going to be interesting because you're going to have you know, I think a chance for a lot bigger recruiting classes that year, you're not going to have sixth year guys hanging around. And, and so at a lot of schools, it's going to create more opportunities for recruits and so forth. And, and then you won't have 24 year old guys going against 18 year old guys. Well, that's going to do it for this week on the Inside Indy Sports podcast. I want to thank Charleston for stepping in and joining me this week. I think you're going to hear a lot more from Charleston this summer as we kind of rotate through vacations and he gets fan mail and people demand that he be on. I want to thank Clint Cosgrove for joining us from Rivals. And uh, Tyler usually has a big list of places where you can hear our podcast. I know you can hear it on all the places that you normally subscribe. So subscribe. Uh, if you like the podcast, please give us a rating. We are close to a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And you can always find us on our website and all the archive, um, archive editions as well. So again, thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you soon.